This is Bad Religion Podcast, episode 24, from Monday, October 22nd, 2007. The show. Welcome to the 24th episode of the Bad Religion Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike. In this episode, I talk about my experiences attending Bad Religion's show at the 930 Club in Washington, D.C. on October 14th, 2007. If you're looking for the songs from the show, check out episode 23, DC Beloved, where I play the show in its entirety, or check out the blog, brpodcast.blogspot.com, for even higher quality versions of the show split into tracks. That song in the beginning you just heard was Dearly Beloved, which the band performed at Soundcheck. The reason that the sound quality on that song is so bad is that I was actually waiting in line outside of the club while the band was performing Soundcheck. I noticed that you could hear the band playing, especially when someone opened the door to go in or out, so I started recording. Obviously, it's not the best recording ever, but it's not often that you get to hear the band doing Soundcheck. In fact, uh, the only one I can remember is when they did the Big Bang DVD and the Seattle Sessions bootleg. Anyways, contained within this episode is an exclusive interview that I did with Jay and Brian, but I'll get to that later. Right now, I'm going to give a little description of how the whole experience seeing Bad Religion went. Here goes. So I decided to get to the 9.30 club obscenely early. I got off the metro around 1.30 and walked the four or five blocks in the general direction of the club. In a not-so-great part of D.C., some guy popped out of a bus behind me, startling me a little bit. He then told me, nice t-shirt, and asked if I was from around here. Turns out that uh, he was a bad religion roadie looking to see if I knew where the nearest Western Union was. I told him I did not, and then proceeded to walk around looking to see if I could spot anyone in the band. Another, bigger tour bus soon pulled up, and more roadies started pouring out. Apparently, the bus had gotten there about 30 minutes too early, so the club was closed. I continued to hang around awkwardly, looking to see if I could spot anyone in the band, to no avail. 
Eventually, I asked one of the guys watching the equipment vehicle if Bad Religion was on the big bus that just pulled in, and he told me I wouldn't tell you if they were, but I can tell you that none of them are here yet. They probably will get here around 4 or 5. This wasn't really bad news, as I had the chance to go to a sports bar nearby and sit down and watch the Eagles game there. After having some shitty overpriced fries and watching the Eagles beat the Jets uh, and the Redskins self-destruct in the fourth quarter, I headed back to the club. There were now two other people there, and most of Bad Religion's entourage seemed to be inside. For the next 30 minutes or so, I talked to the two other guys in line about the band and what songs we'd like to hear tonight and how I thought that American Legion was a much better album than Cold as the Clay. They didn't agree. Eventually, we see this raggedy old white minivan pull up in front of the club. To my surprise, out steps Brooks and Jay. I'm too nervous to actually talk to Brooks, uh, as he more or less goes in directly, but Jay seems to not actually realize where the club is or something and goes to the opposite side of the street. Once he crosses back over, I muster up the courage to go and approach him. I'd been in contact with him since about the end of August to do a new interview with him, so I told him that I was Mike and I did the Bad Religion podcast. He probably apologized for not getting back to me uh, about what times would work for him, and asked if I wanted to do the interview with him here after soundcheck. Uh, yeah. It was about this time I realized that I forgot to bring the print out of about four pages of questions I had thought of for the interview. Luckily, I did have a piece of paper on me, and one of the guys waiting in line, sorry I can't remember your name, was gracious enough to look for a writing utensil on his trip to the nearby gas station. When he returned, I started scribbling down what questions I could remember onto the back of the roadmap I printed out to get from the metro to the club. Thanks to a little help from the other two guys in line and my girlfriend who was able to read me some of the questions over the phone, I was able to get down about half of what I wanted to ask, which was still a pretty sizable number of questions. In a few minutes, Jay stepped out of the club and instructed me to follow him. Gary, one of the guys in line, also tagged along to take some pictures and ask a few questions of his own. We went around the corner, and in something I never imagined happening to me in my life, we went aboard the band's tour bus. The bus itself was pretty nice. We sat in front where there were two couches and some tables to rest things like my portable recorder on. Baker was already there, and there were also a few other people in the back of the bus. At one point in the interview, Hetson actually walked by. Also, two older guys with beards from this band that I can't remember stepped in the bus to meet Jay and Brian. But I think now that I've set the scene for the first half of the interview, um, I'm going to actually play that first half. So let's take a listen to that now. We swapped out. Brian and I do it all the time just to mess with Graffin. <laughs> like we'll come out for an encore or something and like he'll look over and Baker's playing the bass and I'm playing the guitar and he's like, What? <laughs> uh, I'm just getting everything set up. It wasn't ours. It was strung out stuff. Oh, okay. So I read it. I was like, I know. I don't. I, I, I got a. Uh, I got some message on the on the Bad Religion MySpace page, so I copied it and sent out a bulletin saying looking for some help in Philly, and it yeah. said taken from the strung out web page, strung out lost their gear in Philly. Yeah. And I got you know we have two hundred thousand friends. I got fifty thousand. Dude, so bummed out about your gear, and I'm like, not mine. Yeah. It's their shit. It's, I read it the same way. I was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. So, but. I mean, I, I just figured whatever. As long as people are reading it, maybe somebody will see something. It, it's hey it's ridiculously unlikely. Yeah. Like, even when Hetzel lost his SG up in Canada, I sent out a bulletin right away saying, hey, if anybody sees this. Is that the Murphy's tour? Or you guys uh, no, he was he was on a Circle Jerks tour. Oh, which okay. is why it got stolen. Pretty much. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the likelihood of ever finding stolen gear is yeah, I think like yeah. uh, Streetlight Manifesto got their stuff stolen like twice in one tour or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I've never found anything that I've had stolen. Don't have things stolen. The only thing that I, I ever mean, got. Not to be weird, but 
how could you ever, ever not sleep in a van? I never, ever had a van without a person in it at any time in the, uh -huh. from the first, oh, nine years of touring in a van. Yeah. The van never didn't have a person in it. Yeah. Unless it was at a gig with a security guard or, and or a big friend. Yeah. Like you never go to a motel and, and leave there. It's just like, and then we learned, uh, we learned in, when, when you went into New York City to get like three locks and a chain because then that was remember when they were taking the U-Hauls off the back of the vans yes, while you did. were sleeping in the van while you were sleeping they'd take in the, the U-Haul off the back and right. fucking take off with your U-Haul you're like what <laughs> yeah. yeah it was rad I remember that shit um, yeah the only thing that I ever got stolen the first bass that I had that, that Sears three quarter jazz bass that's probably for good it was good that it was stolen but it was early on and Jack Grisham came and told me that he's the one that stole it oh I took it I took it yeah thanks Jack Jack I I go, what did you do with it? He's all, I walked up to the top of the building and I threw it off the roof and I went, oh, okay. You know, the usual pissing just, in the pot, yeah. fucking raping the daughters. It was insane, man. <laughs> I'm all okay. We did I'm, not care. Yeah, we didn't care. Cool. All right, well, I sort of remember the questions that I had at home and that I... He had a uh, fucking booklet. Yeah. He lost it. He forgot it. So he just started <laughs> to write all the shit outside like 10 minutes ago. So. Oh, dude. That's such a failure. But it's cool. It's okay. uh, I got it. Spontaneous combustion is always better anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I guess first question, uh, what was up with the Conan show? Like, uh, where was Brett, first of all? I think people were saying his amp was there. Was he supposed to be there? No, or? Brett's amp wasn't there. Greg okay. had some place with two half stacks on the floor, which mm -hmm. is his way of doing things. But yeah, Brett was at work. Oh, okay. miles away. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we need to, like, put the kibosh on this where's Brett thing. Uh -huh. Brett's... Brett's he writes and he records. Yeah, he does I, not tour. Yeah, the, the, ever. The one I think people were confused because, like, it's like last time you guys were on Conan when you played like Sorrow or something on there. That was, was there. and you know what? Yeah, that, that that's like, when we came back to Epitaph and we did the process of belief and we were all really excited and we were naive and we all had our heads up our asses and Brett came out on a long promo tour and at the end of it said, "I can never do this again. I can't mm -hmm. leave my company for this long." Okay. I guess you guys in LA though. He'll play, if, he can, if he can drive, if he can drive to the show and go home afterwards, yeah. he'll play it. Yeah. And my, uh, my, well, I'm stationed out here, but my brother saw you guys when you guys did the whole, the last show in Warped Tour in L.A. Yeah. And he has pictures of all you guys. And, yeah. Uh, Brett, too, was like, well, shit, he actually came out, but I figured, you know, but he, right there. But that's what so. he does. He, he'll he'll yeah. play the L.A. shows, but, I mean, unless it's, like, something, no. I mean, even, I can't even say that unless it's something totally bad. It's like, no, it's, it's pretty much... He can't do it unless he can figure out some business angle where it's like, oh, I, I can have meetings. Yeah. Like maybe he'll come to Europe to have a meeting with somebody about it's distribution. Weird. But the, the label he runs is a lot more important than Bad Religion. Yeah. And I, if I were him, I would do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You're one of the bigger bands on the punk section of his empire. Yeah. Just but just think about just think of him as Brian Wilson. Yes, but without the permanent brain damage. <laughs> it's it's quasi permanent. Not the same. And he doesn't have a piano in a sandbox. But that would be rad if he did. Yeah, I guess the other part of that question, like uh, at the end of the set, you did or at the end of the song, you did the. Uh, the yeah, you 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 don't want to know. Oh well, no, that's not new. But you don't want to know why I did that for that show. Okay. Retake. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there was a hypothesis that during the plucked lyric, um, there, there was a little uh, something said. No, nobody uh, said anything. Actually, nobody said anything after that, and I was quite surprised. Because, I mean, I I thought I was quite apparent with saying, get fucked clean out of sight. But, what a 
Hey, you know, it happens. Yeah. Just like on the John Stewart show when we said, this is punk Armageddon, this is hell. And then went out there and went, fuck, a hundred times. A hundred times, yeah. Okay. Um, so, it seems for this story, you guys haven't been playing, like, all that much stuff from uh, new maps, like, compared to the Empire Strikes First tour. Uh, is there maybe a reason for that, or is it just, like, you guys have so many songs that you can't well, possibly play? We play, we know, like, seven. We uh-huh. play, the most we play is six. We usually play five. We don't play Honest Goodbye, uh, frankly, just because Jay and I don't like the song, and it's not a radio single anymore, so I don't have to play it. Is that the reason why the I video kind of disappeared? No, the video, that's all record label stuff. I mean, uh-huh. we don't, you know, we don't pick the singles, let's be very clear. A lot of people were confused by, oh, this Honest Goodbye, it's like this other, you know, it's always this first radio song. The reason why is because the radio stations pick them. Yeah. Therefore, that's why they sound like radio songs. Doesn't mean... Uh, you know, I, basically, some of them I think are real good, and some of them just don't hit me, mm-hmm. and that was one that didn't. The video uh, should be a YouTube video or something, but it was, you know, it, this is more like a record label thing. It they never made it out. Of, it never made it out of the office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't like it, and uh, you know, this, the way this thing works now, it's like video. The, the the formula of hit single and video is like 18 years old and hasn't worked for eight, so it's. Yeah. It's merely coincidental that these things have occurred. Yeah. But I, all I want is to have a video representation of any song on YouTube, which is far more effective to me. I mean, when I look at Clash stuff, I'm not looking at the Rock the Casbah video. I'm looking at some poem shit from, you know, the Troubadour. So uh, hopefully these things will come out in some form. But until then, just keep your cam phones up there because I've seen some really good stuff <laughs> yeah. so far. And, and to answer the end of the question, we can't play... Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got at the most we can possibly play within any scenario is probably 28, 30 songs. You cannot devote 33% of it to a new record when you have 14 albums out, most of which people think are the best ones that occurred 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to make sure you play stuff from every record in this tour. We've attempted at least to pull yeah. things from other records that we haven't normally played. It's just a tough there's there's, plen- there's plenty of vocal people who like will say, like, why do you keep playing the same songs over and over again? But you watch, I don't know if they'll do it tonight, but 80% of all the shows, Graffin will ask the crowd, like, how many people is this your first Bad Religion show? You'd be amazed how many people raise their hands. Yeah. So they've never heard Digital Boy. So yeah, you know what? The guy that's seen us fifty times might be tired of it, but the people who have never seen us aren't. And for that guy, we'll play pessimistic lines or God song. Or we just won't. We'll just talk to him. <laughs> so hey, zip it. Is that on the set list, by the way? Poor friend of me is not on the set list only because we've never played it with me or Brooks, and we don't rehearse, so it'd be kind of hard to do that. Yeah, you know, two hundred and fifty plus songs. And yeah, cherry picking one, you know. I can I can guarantee you that out of 250 plus songs, there's 175 that will never be played. They just they're just not going to make it onto the set list because we don't have time. Uh, some of them are way out of key for Greg to sing. And some of them. Nobody wants to hear two babies in the dark. Let's just be honest. <laughs> you know, it's it's true. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that we just you just can't do it. And I know that's I it, it seems. It seems to me that it's frustrating for for people to like not get their super deep B-side cut requests, yeah. but you know sometimes super deep B-sides are that way because they're not really. I I, I know, and I gotta tell you, it's like I it's 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 very similar to the conversation of like you guys should release into the unknown again. It's like you know what you don't want it. You think you do because you can't have it, but the minute you get it, you're gonna go. God, this sucks. Yeah. yeah. What the hell did we really? 
what, what were you thinking? Yeah, it's like it's like the one guy that kept screaming in the night, in the night, in the night when we were playing in LA. Just kept screaming for in the night. We went down. We learned to play in the night, and we played it, and the entire audience sat there and went, "That was the shittiest song Boo! ever." <laughs> and the suck! one and the one guy was like, he just walked away. I'm like. So for you, we did that. Yeah. We learned our lesson, right? One guy screaming in the night doesn't mean that we should play that song. Right. So we have to be at least five. Okay. Um, <laughs> so at least there's a depending on venue size. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess just more on the new song thing. Uh, do you guys expect that you'll be throwing more variety into the uh, like new Massive Hell selection in the future yeah. of these songs? Uh, well, we still yeah. haven't. Uh, we've got to get Grains of Wrath together. It's a great song. We haven't. Yeah. We just haven't learned it yet. Uh, and I'd also like to play Murder, but we're playing the last, we just got a uh, 52 Seconds and New Dark Ages, no, uh, Dearly Beloved. Dearly Beloved in the last five shows or something, those actually now sound good, and so now it's time to step into the other thing, it's just, uh -huh. we had a day off, we would have done a new one today, had a day off today, I live here, Grafton's driving with his kids down, so how we, is couldn't, that? we couldn't t practice. Touring and coming to the city, that's your home, and then... Oh, it's the worst thing in the world because you see your, you know, your parents, your wife, your kids, or whatever, and they right. have to leave the next day. Well, exactly. It's for me. I, I hate it. Other than, uh, I'm proud to come here and play with this band. So when people want, you know, to see me here all year, and I don't, you know, I mean, this is the only thing I do. To have see why I get to basically live here six months out of the year and then disappear, I'm proud of it. But you know, my wife's guest list is 18 people. That part I don't really dig, and I it's, can't just it's get the on the entertaining bus. outside of the entertaining. Yeah, I can't yeah. get on the bus and go to New York tonight. I have to go home and then take the train with my wife, because I would never expect my wife to get on this bus and sleep in a parking lot in New Jersey. Why not? Come on! No, because we're fucking old. Hey, we just don't do that. I'm older than you. By about two months. We were working on uh, on before you die, and then yes. that kind of. That we didn't pull that one off. It's not see, and sometimes it's hard. It's hard to do stuff, you know. It's like, but you never know until you start playing things or start getting requests or start hearing what people want to hear. Because the answer is yes, we're going to work on more songs. You never yeah. know until you get out there. I guess uh, on the way on the subject of hearing what people want to hear, how's uh, Pig Our Set working for you guys? Are you okay. happy with it? I'm happy with it. Um, it kind of goes back to that. You know, a couple of people are, are like putting in the most retarded songs ever. <laughs> I want to hear this song from 1992. We always take at least a couple songs out of the pick your set. It's oh. nice when coincidentally they happen to be ones that we were going to put in anyway. Mm -hmm. The downside is someone puts a list of ten songs that we could not, that would never play, and then it's like, what's the deal with pick your set? I thought you were going to help. Like, it, let's just say it's a suggestion, not an order. Yeah. And but you know, I can tell you this much. Like, we're not giving up. I'll tell you what's what what I like about it the most. Everybody has the freedom to vote for whatever they want, and we've yeah, been playing. You have the discretion to say fuck that. No, no. I mean, we do. It says right on the bottom. It says, "Look, this is just a suggestion. It doesn't mean the band's going to play this." But in seeing, out of twenty songs, how many people go on there and vote for songs that we do play because we're conscious of what people want to hear, makes me feel like. At least I'm in touch with what people want to hear. Yeah. The one guy that wants to hear Two Babies in the Dark or Chimera, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, sorry for you, but I wouldn't even know where to begin with that song. Well, yeah, and there's better songs. It's really, in general, the whole thing is, is it still a good song or not? And guess what? Uh, you have this many records, there's a lot of bad songs. They can't all be winners. Yeah. yeah. Have you found any, like, surprises on there that ones that you didn't necessarily know were popular or... No. 
No, because the song's like if it yeah. if it's a surprise song, it pops up for Covington, Kentucky, and then it goes yeah. away. We were surprised that people wanted skyscraper sunlight. We've been playing that. We're the playing that again, so that's that's good. Um, yeah. You know, it's guys like Neil Davis <laughs> typing in a hundred thousand <laughs> times to hear <laughs> "Automatic Man," which isn't a bad song, but. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess because we have to talk about it. Uh, what's up with the next album? When, when's that? going to happen you have any I told you it was of... crazy for asking that fucking question like dude they just dropped you know I mean no it's not crazy because um, it's something to think about but we're not thinking about it it'll be out in what year is today 2007 uh, it'll be out in early 2010 I would say yeah because next, next year will be more next year will be more touring Europe and, and the rest of the world and 2009 will be and, writing and and recording. 09 would start recording the record so Fall 2009 or, or spring 2010. Do you, do you expect like a stylistic change? Because I mean, there's been this hypothesis that Bad Religion comes in threes with like Suffer, No Control, and Against the Grain were kind of similar. Generator, No uh, Recipe, and Never Stranger. noticed it, yeah. but that's that's an interesting hypothesis. Which is that's all it is. Uh huh. There is there has never been a conscious stylistic turn of any kind. It's really still just the product of what's being written by the songwriters. And I know because I've been begging for a stylistic change, something a little more towards the 80s, the late 80s metal scene. Uh, I have a drummer with two bass drums. I just bought boots. Growing my He's hair got up. a cowbell. You have a cowbell now. I want to go. I'm going to pierce. I'm, I'm going to pierce my nose and connect it with a chain to my I ear. I still have the hole from my heavy metal <laughs> nose piercing. Uh, so in the, my please fall on deaf ears, so I can. Show I you I think my bottom. feeling is is that this record. Um, New Maps of Hell, uh, the reason that, that, that I like it and it works for me is because it's it's a band that has been apart for a long time coming back together with new people and, and really getting comfortable with itself. Uh, and if you want an, an, an older example of that, that album was Recipe for Hate. The album that we walked into the studio, like we walked into the studio like the 72 Miami Dolphins. Uh -huh. We did what we wanted to do. We had a great time. We laughed. We made, you know, we, we, we just did. For a long time, we hadn't seen each other for we, a long time. We, yeah, we just, we just really had a good time, and it was very relaxed and very comfortable. And I think on this record, we're getting close to that. You know, with with all the guys in the band feeling comfortable about what their position is in the band and what what's expected of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I I would think that the next record would just be more of that, more more comfort and something like Recipe for Hate, where we could just make a record with slide guitar and Eddie Vedder. I'll be playing the rest of the interview later in the show. For now, let's move into the news section of the podcast. As you probably heard during the interview, the band recorded a video for Honest Goodbye, but that probably isn't going to see the light of day. Instead, a video for New Dark Ages will be coming out very soon, according to the Epitaph newsletter, so we have that to look forward to. The band is also finally making a trip down to Australia, and will be making, to my knowledge, their first stop in New Zealand while they're there. Hopefully they'll reward the Australian fans with some unique songs, and that someone will record at least one of the stops on what should be a very memorable tour. After that, the band will be taking some downtime, and will probably be heading on a West Coast and maybe Canadian tour. After that, they'll be touring Europe. In other news, Brooks has formed a new thrash band called The Innocent. I'm not the biggest fan of thrash, but this doesn't sound too bad. I'll be playing the song with the coolest title from their MySpace page, Zombie Apocalypse, after the news section. 
Other band members have also been doing various interviews in the past few months. I'll cover them with more specifics next episode, but to summarize, Hudson did a pretty lengthy interview with a radio station about a month ago, and Jay has done various interviews with local newspapers. That's pretty much it for the news section this episode. Next up will be another soundcheck song, 52 Seconds. Again, I apologize for the sound quality being really bad, but I was no Neil Davis, so I wasn't able to get inside the venue when the band was playing. After that, I'll be playing the aforementioned The Innocent song, Zombie Apocalypse. Here goes. So it was 52 seconds and zombie apocalypse. Let's now get back to my story. 
So after the interview sort of devolved into me running out of questions, I took a few pictures of stuff on the tour bus. I snagged pictures of some old set list from the Kansas show or something, and got Gary to take a picture of me and Jay that I'll be posting on the blog soon. It was now about 5.30 and both Gary and I headed back to the line where now a more sizable group of fans had gathered. It was two long hours of waiting after that until the doors opened and we were able to head into the club. For the 30 minutes prior to the doors opening, I rearranged my pockets trying to find the best configuration to make the fact that I was carrying a wallet, a phone, keys, an mp3 player, a recorder, a camera, batteries, and this tube thing for holding the recorder not seem suspicious. I didn't come up with the best configuration ever, but to my delight, they didn't actually pat me down. So I was able to get into the venue without having to explain awkward questions about why I was carrying so many recording devices with me. Inside, I met up with some fellow Bad Religion page forum goers and podcast listeners like Simeon and Anthony. It was pretty cool being able to put a face on these people I had only known online. About 45 minutes later, the gallows finally came on stage. I'd read that their lead singer liked to sing from the middle of the mosh pit. Well, it was more like a circle. Uh, there weren't actually too many people moshing to that band, so I wasn't really caught off guard when I didn't see the singer. The band itself wasn't all that great. They had good energy, but their songs just sounded too similar and it wasn't my style. I did a test recording of a few sections of their show from right by the stage before heading upstairs to hear how it would turn out up there. After a trip to the relative quietness of the bathroom, I was satisfied with the upstairs sound and decided to try to test recording the Briggs show from there. The one problem with doing this was that it was hard to get tightly packed into the crowd upstairs. This meant that I could possibly get spotted recording the show. Luckily, I brought with me that tubular extension to the recorder that screwed into the bottom of the recorder that allowed me to hold it discreetly under my shirt, avoiding the club dudes. If I hadn't done this, I might not have had a show to give to you guys, as I got harassed for recording Modern Man on my camera by some security guy there. Luckily, he didn't see my recorder under my shirt, though. Anyways, Bad Religion finally came on around 10.15. I set my recorder to the highest quality I could to get the entire show and started recording. I attempted to sing silently so that my obnoxious voice wouldn't ruin the otherwise good performance by the band. Plus, my ears were already ringing a little and I was experiencing that effect where Graffin's voice sounded an octave higher than it really was. That probably wouldn't have lent itself to me being on key. As the band performed at Staples, the crowd really went nuts, but I was surprised to see some of the less obvious Bad Religion hits like God Song or Skyscraper to get a really good reaction with the crowd. Obviously Sorrow and Infected were big hits with the newer people, but the fact that God Song, probably not even in the top five of Against the Grain songs, was able to get a great response from the crowd speaks to the death of the band's catalog. It's just a shame that for whatever reason they don't like to delve into that catalog quite so heavily as they used to, but whatever. The show was still really good and the band definitely had a lot of energy. That pretty much concludes the interesting things that happened to me going to the DC show. Without further ado, here is the rest of the interview with Jay and Brian. So is the double album idea dead, or...? It was there... never alive. Uh-huh. It was like this rad one-minute concept that Brett had in his head at the exact time that a video camera was on him. Yeah, the internet <laughs> <laughs> we, when, when we all saw the movie, we all went, really? What? What are you talking about? I guess uh, talking about that, um, how are the background, uh, backup vocals on Live at the Palladium so good? It seems that, in general, like, they... We just don't hear the... Like, obviously, Brett is there, which they helps. Got to, they got to mix the vocals. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty simple. That was before we started just using a machine. Which everything, really yeah, it was a 48-track digital machine yeah. that we recorded onto, so everything had its own channel. So if things were bad, you just duck them out and, uh-huh. and emphasize yeah. the good things. So yeah. it, was, it was mixing, not necessarily, like, doctoring. As no, no, no. no, no. But, no, we don't. but yeah. what we do now is doctor. 
live we have a machine that makes me sound good. We call it the share machine. And it's really helpful, and we use it every night. The reason why is that I don't sing very well. That wasn't really a requirement when he joined the band. We just needed a guitar player. Actually, they said, can you sing? It's, oh, yeah, no problem. True. <laughs> have can you sing? Sung in my life. Yeah, totally. So yeah. now with the share machine, we're unstoppable. <laughs> okay, um, back on the uh, New Master of Hell. Um, so what was up with New Chapter? Like, what happened to that song that it, like, just disappeared or didn't work? It didn't work, and it, it didn't, didn't it, yeah. you know, when you have a record, the concept of an album is 16, 17 songs, however many songs you have, mm -hmm. it should be, there should be continuity, it should be a ride, and that song, like, we tried to put it in, in different sequences, and it just... Like any record, some it, songs it, failed yeah. before it, they made it the... It just didn't fit, and we just kept listening to it going, like, this just isn't doing it. And there were, there were at least seven or eight songs that never even made it to where we... To the chart, they never made the picture. Never made the picture. Yeah. That's how it always is. That was my picture, by the way. Very nice picture. Thank you. Is uh, I mean, is that song? Do you, you said it might be appearing on an album in the future? Would it ever be released in like a B-side form? No, I never. It never made it to the point where I don't even think we put vocals on it. So. I don't think we, no, I, I really, I, I was a fighter for that one because it reminded me of music I listened to at home, but it just didn't work. So, perhaps parts of that carcass will be removed. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know how much you. Like finished on it because I, I know I know Brooks and I did. We're done. I I did, but then we got stalled because <coughs> of uh, editing issues. Much like uh, sort of the before you die thing, except for that we didn't save this one. Yeah, the before you die thing worked. I think it worked out fine. Yeah. It's just the process, dude. Okay. Um, so I think Jay, you were saying in a relatively recent uh, interview that there have been like maybe like one or two instances in the band where. Uh, Greg or Brett has written some lyrics that you guys have vetoed. Uh, Hooray for me, fuck you. No, no, that wasn't vetoed. That went on the record. I know. Um, if I'd been in the band, it wouldn't have. No, the only one, the only one that I that that actually got eighty six was Graffin's song. Hi Hitler. No. <laughs> H I G H. Um, it's a retrospective. What the hell was years. it called? It was <laughs> called Belgium. He was painting. <laughs> um. <laughs> God, it must have been 80, 89, 90. No, no, no. It was, uh, it was, it was a song about Jesus. Like, you wouldn't remember it. Dear God. Something like that, right? And uh, and Hudson just goes, I can't, I can't do this. And when we all kind of looked at each other and went like, whatever. And then that song, that's the only song that I can think of that actually went away. It is a collective, but so far in my tenure, there hasn't been any real veto. No, and and like, even though I'm with you, I didn't agree with the concept of Hooray for me, but fuck you. Uh, I didn't, you know, it was like, it's it's not super offensive, like, uh, with the handshake, there was a couple of lines in that, I said, Greg, I don't think this is what you're trying to convey, and we talked about it, and he said, yeah, you're right, I, that's not what I mean, so well, the song didn't go away, we just, mm -hmm. you know, didn't want people to misconstrue his his intention. Okay, um, yeah, I guess talking about those earlier songs, um, it seemed like when you guys signed to uh, Atlantic uh, with Stranger Than Fiction, that was the album where you had a bunch of B-sides. Was there a particular reason for that? Like, did you actually have B-sides on the earlier albums, or did, were you, like, just trying to make a hit at that point, or...? No, uh, we had a, we actually had a policy that, that from Suffer to Recipe for Hate, if, if, if it was a written song, it went on the record. Uh -huh. We didn't edit shit. It was like, yeah. everything goes on. Uh, I think by the time we did Strange and Fiction, it was the first time where we'd had, you know, sort of record company involvement, uh, we went in with more songs than we wanted in terms of time. 
that was when News from the Front got 86 for Digital Boy. Yeah. Um, and that was an that was an inner band thing. Brett Brett really wanted to have Digital Boy on the record, so it was kind of the first time we had that where we like we had extra songs, mm-hmm. but they wanted us to have extra songs. Yeah. Because they went to Japan and mm-hmm. other assorted things. So. Yeah, what's up with um, New America? That seemed to be another album with uh, a bunch of B sides on it, and I I think there was like a show where you guys played the Fast Life and said, oh, we really like the song, but it wasn't on the American record for some reason. Is that just it's more a collection of B sides? Because that record is a collection of B sides. As I said earlier in the podcast, usually B sides aren't good songs. Um, it's still the last record where there was A and R in the sense that the band was not completely 100% in control of every aspect of everything because what's the purpose of having label help if you're not that wet? Is there anything so, off New America on the set list tonight? Absolutely not. No. Damn. No, there's, no, there's like two or three songs that are, that are actually, you may say they're, they're okay. that are good. You know yeah, what? They're not phenomenal, yeah. but they're, you hear them and like, it's, like and I, thus breaking the all killer no filler tenant of the Bad Religion set yeah. list. So we can't have an okay song on the set list and sacrifice. You know, I think somebody asked me one time what my favorite album was, and I and I stopped and I thought about how I look at our albums, and I don't look at them musically. I look at them as like what color they are. As photographs, I look at them as what color they are. The couch. I think about what they smell. Like. They're the color of couch, and uh, I think that the you know the sentiment in the band for the last couple of records with with Atlantic and Warner Brothers just phoning it in and nothing really felt right just felt a little out mm-hmm. out of sorts and so you know maybe maybe one of the reasons we don't look to those songs is just based on the feeling of the time yep. where we were just kind of what the fuck are we doing here okay um i guess still talking about new america um so is there, a, is there a specific <laughs> person who is the queen of the 21st century I think todd, been rundgren. Trying to... <laughs> todd rundgren is the queen of the 21st century uh, I don't know. You'd have to ask Greg. I don't know who that was okay. about. I think it was just a, you know, fictitious yeah. uh, Smith or Barnard student. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's been this hilarious running hypothesis on the message boards that Greg keeps writing songs about Hillary Clinton, like that song, uh, "Don't Be Afraid to Run," and like two other songs, which is just completely preposterous. Have you guys ever kissed a girl? Come on, that's just. Ridiculous. I think "Don't Be Afraid yeah. to Run" was written in like what 1983, so. I don't think well, Hillary you know, Clinton was written. involved in local Arkansas politics. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, involved because she was like on the city council. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Graffin was really he was very deep in, in Arkansas in politics. Fourth Ward, Fifteenth District, <laughs> Arkansas, early '80s school board politics. Okay. Um, so, I guess when we last talked, you talked about doing like a suffer show in Los Angeles or something. Do you yeah. Still, you, you guys still have that like maybe in the plans in the yeah. future? Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, we couldn't just do a suffer show because it's 38 minutes. So yeah. we'd have to do a suffer no control show. Mm-hmm. That would work. But it, it is something that you guys are thinking about. Sure. Will we do it? Yeah. No. But we'll talk about it all day long. We might do a variation. Yeah. We'll do a suffer new maps of hell show. Yeah. Yeah. We're just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll do that exactly. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, when I, we last talked, um, talked about some songs like have you guys ever played some songs live uh, and apparently I forgot some so if I have some more uh, you could verify if you did it live or not um, so bored and extremely dangerous no no uh, you don't belong yes yeah 
have played it? No. No. Uh, no, but well, we did we play that. Play we that did play that. It just didn't, as, as we talked about most of this time, it just didn't quite make it yeah. too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys played any B-side besides Fast Life or News from the Front Live? We've like, never played News from the Front Live. Um, I think I have two recordings of that, unless they were... I don't think so. I mean, there was one in, like, San Francisco in 1999. tried to play it. We've done it a couple of times. It just never gets traction. Uh, yeah, we have done other ones. Um, what the hell are other ones? We played the Dodo Live. No, we didn't. Sure we did. No, we didn't. Yeah. Did we really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> There's bootleg where you guys play like three oh, chords from that song yeah. once, but that's, yeah. that's all I remember. You know, uh, too many songs. Yeah. Whatever. We played everything. Yeah. Um, we played nothing. There. Stop confusing me. <laughs> Um, have you guys played any covers recently? It seemed to be something that you guys used to do occasionally, but like, you just haven't done. Not really. No, we just don't. It's it, it's the easy way out. Yeah. I mean, unless you consider playing Sweet Home Alabama while talking about Kentucky Fried Chicken, a cover song. That's. Yeah. We'll do little blurbs, but you know, between songs or interject something in the middle of Generator. But mm-hmm. I was just on a warp tour where I saw more people take the cheaters route. It's like you know what. You're playing a, a Nirvana song at the Warp Tour. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's not fair. No. Because I would, I would go out and do the entire album of Nevermind yeah, if, if that really was cool. Yeah. You want to do it that way? Yeah. You know, just go play. Copy of Giving Off Rope. <laughs> we're just gonna play the whole. We're, we're gonna go out and do a Clash show. Yeah. So, uh, and Greg doesn't like doing covers. Yeah. Unless they're from you know mid '70s uh, singer-songwriter prog. Oh. Uh, what was that guy's name? <laughs> Yusuf Stevens? Yeah, Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. That's the guy. Yeah, Yusuf Islam, I think is his name now. Yeah, and has been for 30 years, and they still have to say, Yusuf, formerly, formerly Cat Stevens. Stevens. How about this, Yusuf? Your stage name is Cat Stevens. Come on. And your name is Yusuf. Why can't he just come up you with know, a like symbol? Pac Man Jones or. <laughs> just come up with a symbol. Iggy Pop. Sometimes. Crescent Valley Guitar or something. Sure, why not? Glenn is that his name? No. Damn. Okay. Henry Rollins. Exactly. Uh, uh, from the new album... Dwight uh, Schrute. <laughs> he pushed him out, by the way. Yeah. Um, do you guys know who the man in 83 is? Uh, talk about on Grains of Wrath. Uh, like back in 83, a man came to me... It's not going to bring my cat back from the dead. No, I don't know what Back in 83, is. a man came to me and he told me, Son, our way of life is done. I'm going to go with just poetic license right there. Okay. Three and me rhyme. Or Fletcher. It could have been Fletcher. But no, Fletcher wasn't around in 83. Yeah, he was. No, he wasn't. Shut Jack Grisham. Jack Grisham. Jack Grisham told Greg Graffin that our way of life is done. Hence, Into the Unknown and Beneath the Shadows came out at the exact same time. Go figure. <laughs> okay. Um, whatever happened to the Bad Religion College Fund? Uh, Actually, that's a good point. We're, I, I talked to our friend Christian Harper, who has this new website called uh, Bounty Up. And it's sort of a reverse eBay where you put money into a thing to make something happen. Uh-huh. Uh, and and he's got a couple of things going on, and, and we talked about it. And I said, that'd be a really great way for us to bring back that, uh, that scholarship, is to get not only us, but to get other people to put money into it. Uh, the, the problem that I'm figuring out is, is how to get... Uh, the submissions in because I know that the last time we did it I think there was something of 7,000 submissions and these are all handwritten you know I don't want paperwork I don't want to go through crayon shit 
So it trying became to bigger than we could manage. We had other people try to take care of it for us. They dropped the ball. So we've been waiting to find a way to put it right. in a much more streamlined online fashion mm -hmm. to uh, to be able to continue to do so it. Because it was one of the coolest I, things. I, I think it's going to come back. And uh, and what they had suggested to me was to do it in video form. And I don't. I'm not into that. I don't want to have videos of, of whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that we're working on. Because it, it's a great idea, and it's it's nothing to do. Uh, it's just hard to regulate. He's just gonna yeah. go smoke. Okay. No He's um, a smoker. Yeah, I guess uh, the Bad Times newsletter that just kind of faded out because it went obsolete, or no, I don't know. That's yeah, not okay. really my gig. Okay. It's like you know, I mean, everybody everybody does their own things, right? Yeah. Like uh, like the the MySpace page is kind of run by me and Brooks, and so. Uh, the badreligion.com thing was run by me for a while, and then Brett took it over, and then it kind of went away. And, and everybody just kind of does their own shit. And if someone wants to write a newsletter, that's great. And if they don't, that's great too. Okay. Do you have a favorite or least favorite song on the new album, or is it kind of all? Uh. I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't know if I have a favorite. Um, least favorites kind of change, yeah. you know, it, it, just depending on either how many times you hear it or, or whether or not you can relate to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like Pilgrim when I first heard it. Yeah. Um, let's see what else I got. Um, are you at liberty to say who wrote what for the album or is that sure. still kind of a No, mystery? I can tell you. Okay. Um, You'll have to ask me the song because I don't have any, I don't remember them at all. Okay, so 52 seconds. Brett. Uh, then it was Heroes and Martyrs, Hero. Brett. And then uh, Terms of Perfection, Graffin. Then it was Requiem. Graffin. Uh, Honest Goodbye. Brett. Heroes and Martyrs. We already said. Uh, just off the top of my head, Fields of Mars. Brett. Uh, uh, Lost Pilgrim. Graffin. Uh, Dearly Beloved. Brett. Uh, Murder. Brett. <laughs> I try to think of all of the top of my head. This is really oh, my iPod. Uh, there's also. Um, <laughs> Graphic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. I'll get a map. I'll tell you exactly what it was. And also, that's uh, one your solo on that does really kick ass. It's not, not very often bass solos in your other songs, but that one was really good. Stolen from like the Yeah. <laughs> it sounded very derivative, but I was like, hey, they finally gave him you know, his own, his own time. Yeah. Did I get your uh, yeah, that was yeah, so directly lifted. Uh, so Requiem. Hold on, I'll have uh, yeah, it in a okay. second. Uh, I'm so bad at memorizing. It's so good. There it is. Okay, so 52 seconds. Brett, heroes. Brett, germs. Graph and the Dark Ages. Brett. Requiem, Graffin, Before You Die, Graffin, Honest Goodbye, Brett, Dearly Beloved, Brett, Grains of Wrath, Graffin, Murder, Brett, Scrutiny, Graffin, Prodigal Son, Brett, Grand Delusion, Graffin, Lost Pilgrim, Brett, no, oh, no, Graffin, and Submission Complete, Graffin, Fields of Mars, Brett. I guess place you get all that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not writing it down, but hopefully the people at home got it. Yeah. Um, I guess speaking of uh, scrutiny, I think you guys played that like once. What, like Las Vegas? Is that coming back? Or is I that don't think we have played it live. 
Did we play it at that? I don't think we played it at that time. Uh, it's not on. Did we play Scrutiny at the at the at the uh, MySpace show? Maybe we did. I think it was on, it? I'm pretty sure it was on the set list, but it just like for Is some reason they only released like five songs. It's one, two, three, four, well, five, six. I don't think we did. Okay. We practiced it though a couple of times. Right. We haven't played it yet. Yeah. Give me the lazy theme. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just wrapping up here. Uh, you guys remember any particular crazy moments live, except for, or, like, obviously when that stage collapse or whatever in Europe had to have been pretty crazy. Um, are there any other particular moments? Uh, no, we're not that crazy. Yeah. It's sort of like Nerds Gone Wild, you know? The craziest thing happens when a new Xbox Nerd, Nerds Gone Mild. Okay. Stay out of the door. How are you? Hey, brother. How you doing? I was wondering if you were in town. Oh, yeah, man. Excellent. Excellent. I am. I'm here right now. Yay. Tiny Punk. How's it going? Hey, How you doing? Good to meet you. Great to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. Uh, now we're doing laundry at the house right now. The, you know, the day off and home thing. Oh, yeah. Kind of fun. Yeah, catching up. Yeah, watching this game. By the way, my mildew has just gotten out of control in the back lounge. What, you have mildew? Yeah. Stop that. My clothes. No spores. So I can't wear them on stage anymore. Burn. You want to grab yourself a beer? Oh, cool. I must burn. Burn my clothes. Buy me new stuff. Make Give me a shirt. Make me. Give me a Redskins shirt. I'll this, wear it tonight. This is how we do it. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. Well, I think I'm out of questions. So thanks a lot for letting me come on this bus. Sure. And interview no you guys. No yeah. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys in two hours, hours I guess. 27 yeah. minutes. I look forward to going home and <coughs> getting some clean clothes. Yeah, you're lucky. So that was my interview with Jay Bentley and Brian Baker. I still have some more questions that I forgot to ask, so hopefully I'll have a chance to ask them some more in the future, but that will be for another episode. I was considering also going to the Philly show on Wednesday and recording it, but unfortunately I had other obligations, but I do have a free plane ticket to anywhere in the country that I got for waiting an extra three hours for a flight I took in the spring, so I'm considering flying to a West Coast show where the band will hopefully have a pretty different set list. The last two songs I'll be playing today are only tangentially related to the show. They come from a show Bad Religion did in 2000, which could have very well been the last recorded show the band played had it not been for the reunification of Brett with the band and its re-signing to Epitaph. As far as I know, this is the last show where Bobby played that we have on tape. Anyways, I'd like to thank Aki for giving me this show in exchange for posting the DC bootleg. So the two songs from that bootleg that I will be playing are A Thousand Memories, a New America song that I don't believe I've actually heard the band play before live, and a version of Change of Ideas featuring Charlie Brown, which I guess is some sort of Argentinian musician or something. The quality isn't the greatest on this recording, but these are pretty unique recordings, so I hope that you'll enjoy them. Remember that you can always email me with comments at brpodcast at gmail.com, and you can post at the podcast blog at brpodcast.blogspot.com. See you guys with a regular episode next time.
Charlie Brown me parece que está subiendo de la banda que casualmente es un nombre de un tema de ellos están por presentar a unos amigos de este país nuestro que hicieron un disco muy importante para Bad Religion hicieron el disco de covers Así es. tributo a Bad Religion que hicieron las bandas de acá tributo a una mala religión el disco exactamente Charlie Brown Charlie Brown mira vos eh, qué momento buenas noches somos Charlie Brown queremos agradecer a Bad Religion por habernos invitado a ver qué tal la gente eh. nuestro homenaje que va para todos ustedes y por todos ustedes también. Change of ideas. Change of ideas que ya lo habían hecho, ahora va de nuevo con Charlie Brown. 